Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us today on the Above180.com podcast is Mo Pinnell. Mo recently was named the Technology Director for Radical Bowling Technology, so thought it'd be great if we catch up with Mo. So, Mo, first off, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you guys for asking me. Welcome, Mo. I always look forward to talking to both of you. Well, Mo, I thought uh, thought we'd begin tonight. I know you've been uh, you've been traveling quite a bit, and you got some exciting news for everyone. Who, uh, after the first of the year, you kind of got a new position. You're doing some new and unique things. I know you were just up by Joe, uh, doing doing some stuff, doing some uh, ball testing and stuff. So why don't you tell the Above180.com listeners uh, what's been going on in the life of Mo Pinnell? Yeah, things are a little bit different now. Uh, we were negotiating all last year under a confidentiality agreement, and Brunswick has licensed all the Morich technology, including the patents. So, and along with that, I have signed a personal services contract with Brunswick, and my role will be, to start with anyway, and probably for a long time, the technology developer for Radical Bowling Technologies. This brand is now under the umbrella of Brunswick. So Brunswick now has their own two brands, plus they manufacture and assist in the technology for Radical Bowling Technologies. This is a technology-oriented brand, and I spent time with Joe so Joe can tell you what's going on. We've got some exciting new products. But uh, let's see what Joey wants to talk about. Well, Mo, definitely exciting new products, to say the least. And, uh, I mean, spearheaded by, in my opinion, your new core designs for the Reacts and the new Symmetric Core Yeti. Uh, I think it's best that we kind of give you the controls here and talk about this new product. Okay. Uh, Both these balls... This is, a, this is an interesting story, to go back in history. Both these balls are covered by the offset patent. Now, I wrote the offset patent in 1997. It was approved in 1998. It was the patent under which the original 3D offset was done. But since it's such a large-spectrum patent that covers a whole lot of designs and future designs, these two balls are the grandchildren of the original 3D offset, which is the design that most people tell me changed how balls were designed. And this patent is still in effect and will be until August 12th of 2018. 
kind of a gift that keeps on giving. Now, Mo, with that patent you have on, on your asymmetric core designs, and again, being an offset core design, are you telling me in the last 14, 15 years there's been no patent infringements by any of the other ball manufacturers making an, an offset asymmetric core design? No direct infringement, some borderline cases. But as you know in the business world, uh, if you're going to protect your patent and prosecute, it takes a certain amount of funding and resources in order to do it. And we didn't see anything that we thought was concrete. They tried to get close. But with Brunswick having licensed it and behind it, Brunswick will enforce to the letter the offset patent. I've used it in the, in the Mowrich designs. We didn't publish it. But the last two cores I did at Mowrich, the uh, unique core and the core before that, both were covered by the offset patent. So we've done versions of it, but this is a totally new generation. And like I told you when I was there, the stuff we're doing now is level two of ten that can be done under the auspices of this patent. So why don't you, in layman's terms, Mo, explain to our listeners how these core designs are different from anything that's pre, you know, pre-designed uh, symmetrics and asymmetric cores. So explain how the Yeti and the Reacts are so different. Well, they're a little different in their own little way because we're applying for the patent for the scoop or the finger notch in the Yeti. But let's go, let's start with the Reacts. The Reacts is a traditional offset design, and the offset patent says that the core has to have a head, a body, and a tip. The head and the tip remain true to the x-axis of the ball, which is the low arch axis and the body is offset towards the high archy axis so that the pin-out that results from shifting the core actually comes from shifting just the body, not the head and the tip. Right, so, so, so we, we should, we should explain, Mo. I, I don't think anyone that's listening really knows the x-axis is where the pin is and the y-axis is where the mass bias indicator or PSA is located. I should say that the x-axis, which is the low RG axis, is where the, the pin is on the end of the low RG axis. According to new USB-C rules, the pin has to be within one inch of the true low RG axis. And the PSA, the mass bias, or the y-axis, the locator pin, has to be within an inch and a half of the true high RG axis. So we can't do, we can no longer do some of these things that were done in the past that confuse the bowlers. Right now, pin has to indicate low RG axis, locator pin, or whatever design you use, has to locate the high RG axis. And all we do in the offset patent is we leave the two, the head and the tip, right on the low RG axis, and we shift the body. By shifting just part of the mass of the core, we end up being able to get the core closer to the y-axis, the positive y-axis, or the high RG axis, so that when you drill the whole thumb hole or drill holes into it, it takes out more of the core. 
And some people would say, oh, well, it's going to hurt the core. No, 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 it's designed that way. When you remove part of the core, the highest density part of the ball, you make this a taller, narrower core. And taller, narrower cores flip. You and I both know that, Joe. Well, so, Mo, then, is that how this then affects ball motion? Is, is bowlers are going to see more of a, uh, uh, and when the ball gets to the hook phase, is it's going to hook, hook a lot more? Well, you're going to get a more defined break point. You're going to get the flare based on whatever differential you design into it. And you're going to start to increase the gyroscopic inertia of the ball. And what does that mean? The gyroscopic inertia of the ball is pin carry. It cuts down on the deflection. So the same thing is true of the Yeti, even though it's not hardly shifted at all to the visible eye. There is a slight shift in it. But the Yeti has another factor that we're patenting, which is the scoop on the top. That scoop that is taken out of the side of the top of the core means that if you drill the ball with the pin below the fingers, you're going to get smooth, controllable motion. And if you drill the ball with the pin above the fingers, you're going to get a sharper break point. I believe you saw that when we did the testing together a week ago Monday. Well, without question, Mo. And typically I will mention that in some of my ball reviews for the Bowler's Journal in that some cores, due to their shape and, and in dimensions, let's say, uh, and RG numbers and diffs, aren't dramatically different to the visual eye above or below the fingers. The Yeti core, on the other hand, is a dramatic difference in motion shape contingent on where that pin is located, and it does affect the differential numbers quite a bit, does it not? Oh, yes. It affects the different differential numbers a ton. If you drill the Yeti with the pin under, you're going to get approximately an 007 intermediate diff and an 044 total diff. If you drill it with the pin above the fingers, Got approximately an 018 intermediate diff and an 062 total diff. So proportionately, by drilling the ball with the pin above the fingers, because the, the finger holes don't hit the core, then you substantially increase the intermediate diff. What happens when you get a higher intermediate diff? You get a harder response to friction. We know that, right, Joey? Yes, we do, and and that does affect the spin time as well, does it not, Mo? Oh, yes, it'll cut the spin time by about two seconds. So, And the least, lower the spin time, the stronger the reaction. Right. And the object of the Yeti, there was a specific mission when we designed the Yeti. The object of the Yeti was to create the most versatile symmetrical ball in the history of bowling. You use the five different layouts, and Joey, you and I went through it, and you get such a big difference, a bigger difference than when any other core from the smoothest layout to the strongest layout. So we've opened up the spectrum, which means that the Yeti will work for a wider range of bowlers and will encourage bowlers that like to hit than you get from it to, to drill multiple balls because you'll get different shapes getting the ball to the pins and still have the same great carry. Right now, now Tim is champing at the bit more to ask you about the uh, USB-C open pattern and, and the new oil being used. But before we go on to that, I have a follow question uh, regarding these two new products. We, you and I, also experimented as you have with uh, other members uh, throughout the nation here uh, with 
motion hole drilling technique as well as your well-known double thumb drilling technique. Uh, you want to touch base on what the motion hole drilling technique can offer bowlers compared to simple layouts that we're all accustomed to? Sure. This is fun. And you agree with me that motion hole is the hottest bowling topic on the Internet right now. It is, it is scary strong. In fact, you have to be careful with the size of that hole because you could possibly drill the ball too violent on the back end and too much entry angle if, that, if there is such a thing. Yeah, that's right. It, as with anything that's powerful, when you drill the ball, you lay out the ball according to the instructions and on motion holes, and you throw the ball down the lane and you put a piece of tape where you intend to put the motion hole. The directions tell you exactly where that is. You throw the ball to make sure the ball doesn't roll over the tape. If the ball doesn't roll over the tape, you drill a hole there. If it's nicking the tape or on the tape, you move the tape sideways just enough so that the initial track flare doesn't hit the hole. And then you put the motion hole in. And the motion hole is designed to give the ball, the, the ball what I call the wheel effect, gyroscopic inertia. It gets the ball to stay on its axis longer and gives it a harder rev rate at the break point. Not much, sometimes not a violent change of direction, but a higher rev rate, change in rev rate, and when it goes through the pins, you get substantially less deflection. And you and I saw that in the test that we were doing. So the motion hole, here's what I like to say. My favorite bowler is Percy Pusnacko. You know we've talked about that, John. <laughs> Percy's a guy that wants to throw a ball with more revs than he actually has. Well, now he's got two layouts to use, not just one. If he wants the ball to react earlier and harder, he uses the double thumb. If he doesn't want to cover quite so many boards and he wants the ball to get to the back end of the lane and rev up as hard as it does... With the double thumb, or even harder, he uses the motion hole. So the double thumb is early and strong. The motion hole is late and strong. It gives him two shots at two different ball motions, where before he only had one. Okay, Mo, now that we've touched base on the motion hole drilling technique as well as the double thumb drilling technique, let's switch gears to the USBC Open Championship pattern. We have uh, we we always respect your opinion. We we've spoken to Del Warren earlier today about uh, his interpretation of the pattern, as, as well as the new Kegel Ice Lane Conditioning Oil being used. You want to give us your insights into this pattern, Mo? Okay, I'm not that familiar with Kegel Ice, but I would assume it's a somewhat slicker oil. But yes. that's okay. They're trying to get to where they can use less of it. I can tell that. I have a little. I have a little trepidation about slicker oils because slicker oils affect transitions. If oil moves and oil migrates during a pattern, as you and I know, if the oil is very slick, then the transition is bigger. But that's okay. That being said, let's look at the two different patterns. They're two feet apart. I would have made it more. They're two feet apart. You got 41 in the team event. You got 39 feet in the doubles and singles. The team event is we'll play the track, and a lot of the bowlers that bowl at home will be able to play where they play at home. The only trepidation I have is I would like to have seen a little bit more oil in the front. So I feel you can swing the track, but I feel you're going to have to move constantly 
to keep up with the transition. That's the way I see the team event. So the, the answer may be to start out playing where you want to, and when the ball starts to hook, instead of moving ball down to a less aggressive ball and one step or maybe two before you start moving in. So I would think that you help yourself by balling down before you chase the oil left. Does that make sense to you, Joey? Well, it, it, it does, but there are times where a weaker ball looks stronger on a given pattern and strong looks weak, as you know. Uh, could that yeah. be the case at, at the Open? Uh, I'm worrying about the head oil and getting the ball through to your target and to the break point. So I think that you're going to see, you're going to see, start playing where you like. My first suggestion, when the ball starts to hook, don't chase it left. Ball down first. Now, after you ball down, which may be, which will get you longer into the second game, then when you chase it, you won't have to chase it as far left as if you chased immediately the ball started to hook. I think you get a playable condition that lasts longer that way. That's just the way I play it. That definitely makes sense. And, and then for the doubles event, it, it is two foot shorter, and is the volume the same? Uh, pretty close. It's in the 25 range. And uh, I like the idea that there's two patterns because if you don't hit one, you can hit the other. But uh, when I talked to the people, they thought you could play the track on the doubles and singles pattern. And I my answer to that is, yeah, you can play the track on the doubles and singles pattern. You'll shoot 149, but you can play there. <laughs> doubles and singles pattern is classic to me in what I call a double zone. I write this pattern, and I use a pattern similar to this, not exactly anywhere near like it, but similar to it, for some tournaments and sweepers I've run. And why do I call it a double zone? Because there's two places to play it, outside the first arrow and around the third arrow. And my choice would be start on the twig, fall down, stay on the twig, and if you can't stay there with your equipment all the time, when you move, your move is like a 25 and 15 or a 20 and 10. Jump right over the track and get right into the third arrow. So I think the pattern is a good pattern because it can be played outside or inside, both the left and the right side of the lane. A little bit challenging, but I think guys that have a good strategy can hit this pattern pretty good. So, Mo, you don't feel that there's too many two-to-two -two loads uh, that it's going to clog up the outside part of the lane where if someone leaks it out a board or so, they're going to be in the channel? No, I don't think so, because if you look at the pattern and the way they've written it, they've got their two-to-two -two loads on the outside, but they've also created a little hold on five, six, seven, because there's extra loads on five and six. So this five six seven area creates a little hold compared to the outside. Now you're going to make the outside burn up a little bit throwing the ball out there. And when you do, and the outside starts to hook, that's if you can keep the ball right in the first arrow. A lot of guys play the outside; they say it's from the corner, so they think they're playing the gut, but they're actually playing playing up around six seven. You're going to die if you do that. But if you throw it straight down two three four. You're going to have a little hold on five, six, seven, which will allow you to stay there. And the trick there is when it starts to hook, just like I said inside, don't chase it in the head, just fall down so you can stay on the edge. 
So, Mo, somebody's going to win this plane better on one side or the other. So, Mo, what do you think as far as the layout choices? What, what balls are you thinking that would work well for most folks? It's a 39-foot pattern, so you're not going to want to use anything that's too strong. You're going to want to use a medium-strong symmetrical or a very controllable asymmetrical so that you're not covering a lot of boards. You can use some, you can use some good out there because, like you said, it's not three units. But I'd like to see more parallel and stuff that has good continuation but not a sharp break point. I wouldn't go out there with something that went down and went sideways. I can't. So, I go with a ball that has good continuation. So, Mo, would your best guess be a pin, say, below the bridge for most players that are speed and rev matched to start with and then possibly later in the blocks going to a pin above? I do it the opposite way. And the reasoning? The pin above was a 4,000 surface, so let the motion continue, okay? And then when the outside dries, dries up a little bit, then I drop to the pin below, because then the pin below will, st when the other one starts to hook high, the pin below will stay in the pocket. So I start not with a strong ball, but a me medium, a little less than medium ball, pin above, no hole, play two, three, four, and when that starts to hook, drop to the pin below with no hole, and stay right there. And you might get the whole three games, the whole six games in doing that. If you do, you're in great shape. If you have to move, then you go back to the stronger drilling. You move into the third arrow, give the ball some room, and let it recover. So you go medium strong, ball down, move in, go back to your stronger ball. I think you can do it with two balls. Again, Mo Pinnell joining us on the Above180.com podcast. Mo, I want to ask you this. What if you were the person designing the patterns for the USBC Open? Let's say they came to you and said, design us two patterns, Mo Pinnell. We know you're great at that. We know you're great at laying out patterns for houses. Tell us what patterns would you have designed for the USBC Open this year? I would, I would have made it at least three feet different, maybe four. Let's just say I would have done 42 and 38 so that they are substantially different and not cousins to each other. And the other thing I would have done that I do mostly is I'd have written more oil in the reverse pass. I put a little less oil in the forward, put a little more oil in the reverse, so we got a better lengthwise pad, lacewise taper, so that there's more oil in the front in relation to what's in the back. I like lengthwise taper because I think that makes patterns last longer. Well, you know, Mo, I bowled on some of your patterns. Uh, a friend of ours, Kevin Frew, set up for us where there's upwards of 100 units of oil in the front part of the lane, and they definitely hold up longer and allow for better oil or, let's say, energy retention from bowling balls because th there's none of that early burn in the front part of the lane. Well, when I write, and I'm, I'm doing lanes now for four houses, and when I write my standard house patterns, Eight years ago, when I wrote standard house patterns, I put 70 or 80 units in, in the front. Now, when I write standard house patterns, I put 100. You got the number just right. I like 100 in the front to get through a shift, and the doubles and singles is just one shift. I like 100 in the front, tapered down to 20 units in the center at the back of the path. That is what we call a 5-to-1 lengthwise taper. 5-to-1 lengthwise tapers last longer than two to one or three to one because 
the front spot to go, you've got to get away from that trench you've created, and now you've got to play the line differently. Yeah, I like 100 in the front. That's my standard now. Great stuff as usual, Mopin. I want to thank you for joining us tonight on the Above180.com podcast. All the best of continued success with your new position at, at Brunswick with Radical Technologies. And uh, look forward to having you on again, Mo, as, uh, as always insightful and lots of great in- information for bowlers heading out to the USBC Open. For Tim Berg, Joe Sarar, Mo Pinnell, good luck and good bowling. <laughs>